this. I want to talk to you today about the gospel in Acts, the gospel through the book of Acts. But before I get there, I just want to talk to you about these books here because I think it's important for us to, to recap, if you want to say that, or review is a better word, review where we've been through the book of Acts. You remember when we spoke about the gospels? The gospels in your Bible and my Bible is in the New Testament, is that right? If you open up your Bible, it says New Testament, and then it starts with the books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in the New Testament, but you need to understand that it was in the New Testament under the Old Covenant. The Gospels is in the New Testament under the Old Covenant. We need to understand that, because there's a lot of churches today who set up their doctrine. Now, doctrine is a code of belief. It is what we believe as a church. It is what you believe as a child of God, a Christian. This is essential. You need to make 100% sure that you know the gospel that you believe, the doctrine that you believe, that it is scriptural sound. So we find a lot of churches today who base their doctrine. If you open up their websites and everything, it goes to the gospels. Nothing wrong with that. The whole Bible, let me just say it, the whole Bible is given to us as inspiration of God. The whole Bible. Genesis to Revelation. Every single word in the Bible is applicable to you and me. But when we come to the gospel in the New Testament, we need to understand if we set up the code of belief that we have in the New Testament, the new gospel or the gospel. It's not a new gospel. It's not a different gospel. And this is why we need to understand that. The gospels... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John still had the old rituals. You are right, my brother, when you open up in Kings. These men were in rituals. They got a priest to come and teach them the rituals. And there are still a lot of people in churches today, and there are still a lot of churches still following rituals. Rituals. And when you follow rituals, you will only come to the law, and that's where it will stop. Let me repeat that for you. If you follow rituals, because the law was given to a nation, and God set that nation up so that the other nations can look upon this nation, Israel. Why did God choose Israel? For this very reason. So that, listen to me carefully now, that a sinful people can see a nation who was sinful, and now a sinful people can approach a holy God. Now, how was it set up? Through law. Through this thou shalt do. The Ten Commandments and all the laws. So when we come to the book or the Gospels, it is still under the Old Covenant. Until, until Matthew chapter 28. What happened in Matthew chapter 28? Jesus Christ died on the cross. That is when the New Testament started. Because it says in the book of Hebrews, I think it's chapter 11, uh, I'll find the chapter. He says that you cannot bring in the New Testament until the testator dies. You know, you've got parents and everybody, and these parents, they put a will up, a testament up there. And they write, if anything happens to me, my car goes to so, and this goes to that. That is the testament. But while you are still alive, 
You can't take any of those things. Yet, these days, some children try to do that. Before their parents die, they want to grab their But you cannot do it while the testator is still alive, can you? No, no. It's the day when the testator dies that the testament comes into effect. So, this is why I say, when you look at the Gospels, it is a transitional book. All of them is transitional. What happens? It goes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now again, I want to emphasize, me as a child of God, when the Lord saved my soul, I read through the book of John. Why? Because the book of John brought me to Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I didn't know that before. Do I know it now as a child of God? Yes. What gave it to me? The Gospels. The Gospels. But if I just know that in my all back to rituals. You know, a lot of people know the Bible, they quote the Bible, but it's just in their mind. It is just in their mind. You can read about Jesus, you can hear about Jesus, but until you've met Jesus, you will follow rituals. And the rituals will hold you back from the true freedom in Christ. So, this is the first thing I want to say. The New Testament transitioned, or the Old Testament transitioned into the New Testament in the Gospels. In the Gospels. Now, the church doctrine, the Gospel, the message of the cross, we don't base it on the Gospels. The Gospels support, the, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Luke and John, support the Gospel for the New Testament. Are you with me currently? You need to understand that. Then we found in the book of Acts as a transitional book. Have you heard me say that? It's a transitional book as well. What happens in the book of Acts? We see how it transitions from Jew, Jew to Gentile. If you look at the first part of the book of Acts, who is it preached to? Jews. Peter preaches to the Jews. The day of Pentecost happened to the Jews first. In the, in the upper room, Acts chapter 2 happened to the Jews. There were no Gentiles in the upper room. It was Jews there. Uh, you can read right through. It then goes into the temple in Solomon's porch. And what, who do we preach to? Jews. There were no Gentiles going into that area of the temple. So he was preaching to Jews. And then Stephen preached to Jews. And then Peter went over and preached to the Gentiles. And then it goes on, Philip preached to a Gentile, a proselyte. And then we find Paul preaching to the Gentiles. So if you look, if you've got a map open of the book of Acts, you will see that it starts off with Jesus who says to the Jewish guys, He says, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Jews, to Judea, to Samaria, going now towards the Gentiles and the end of the earth. And that plays out in the whole book of Acts. If you understand the book of Acts as a transitional book, it will make sense to you. It will open up to you. Wow, what a, what a start to this. I need to revisit what we've preached over the last year, wouldn't we? This is critically important. So again, we as a church do not base our doctrine and our code of belief on the first part of the book of Acts. We don't. 
This is why you will get all of these strange things happening. People will run around and they say, you've got to do this works and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to keep on doing this to be saved. No, no. When He comes, He saves you and then we go into the righteousness of God and He sanctifies you and the Holy Spirit now comes and He lives inside of you and He works with you to live a holy life. That's the transition that takes place. So, that was the intro now. So, it goes from Jews to Gentiles. It goes from Peter and John preaching to Paul preaching. And listen to this now. You will see the transition because I'm going to show it to you today. And it's very important that you understand that. It goes from water to blood. It transitions from water baptism to blood baptism. Are you with me now? If you read through the book of Acts, you will find that, and I'm going to show that to you. So today I want to talk to you about the gospel in Acts. And we come to a critical chapter in chapter 13. But before that, I want to tell you the story about a man called Fritz Kriesler. He was a very famous violin player. And uh, he was going all around the world. It was in 1870s and up until till, you know, the 1900s, he was playing by a very famous man. He went around and he played and he got a lot of money. But he was so open-hearted that he gave his money away. As the money came in, he saw people and struggling and so on. He go, there's money, and he gave it all away. So on one of his trips that he went, he walked into a shop and saw this beautiful, beautiful violin. And he thought, wow, I like that violin. I would like to have that violin. And he asked the shop owner if he can play a few tunes on it. And he picked it up. And he started playing and beautiful sounds came out of the violin. But because he gave all his money away, he didn't have enough money to buy that violin. So he had to put it down and say to the shop owner, he'll be back. It was no laybys in those days. And there was no, you know, mobile phones or online purchasing and everything. He had to get in his chariot on his horse and can continue. So he started saving up some money. Some money he gave away, but he saved up a lot of money over a, a length of time. And when he had the right amount of money, he went back to that shop. And as he walked in, he went there and there's no violin. The violin is gone. And he asked the shop owner, he says, where's this violin? What, what happened to the violin? He says, oh, there's a collector who came past and he found it a beautiful piece, artwork. And he took that artwork, the violin, and he purchased it. And he inquired of this man. He says, I really want to see this collector. And he gave him his details. There was no privacy in those days like these days. <laughs> Mark, you know, data privacy and all of these things. He gave it to him and uh, he went to this collector and he knocked on the door and he says, look, I'm here for a violin. I just want to see it again. The collector, what is a collector? To him, it was a piece of art. It's beautiful. He said, there it is. And this man said, he says, wow, can I buy it off you? I've got the money and I've got a little bit extra if you want it. But he says, no, 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 I love it. It is a collector's item. It's mine. I'm going to keep it and all of these things. The poor man stood there and he felt, oh, I'm going to depart from this again. He was so invested in his heart, he was going to get this. And as he walked out, he had one idea. He said, sir, can I just, can I just, because I played it a little bit, can I just... Play it one more time before it has been set away and never to be played again. The guy says, sure. And he gave it to him. And when he started playing that violin, the sweet sounds of that violin started filling the room and became
because there was passion in him now, he put a little bit more passion in every single pool and every single thing. It was just filling up so that the collective started having tears in his eyes. And he said at the end to him, he said, you know what, I don't want any money. You take that. You take that violin. Take it into all the world so that the world can hear the beautiful sound that came out of that. Brothers and sisters, that's the gospel. That's the beautiful sweetness of the sound of the gospel. I thank the Lord that I've heard that sound one day. Somebody could have locked it up in a cupboard somewhere and be shy to tell me about the wonderful thing. But I remember a preacher who stood behind a pulpit one day. And he preached the gospel. It, it wasn't part of the scripture, but I was driving here and I said to Leonie, I need to read the scripture just to, just for me, I need to read it. And if you can find something in it, then I pray that the Lord will open it up in your heart. But... I thank the Lord that that day when I was sitting at the back of the church, this man opened up his mouth, he opened up the word and he preached the gospel. And the beautiful sound over his lips came out and in that voice it said there, if you are sitting here today and you are a sinner, it said, if you come to Jesus and you trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, he will wash away your can I read this to you? He says here in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7. He says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. How beautiful upon the mountains. How beautiful, wonderful are the feet of him who brings good news. Who proclaim peace. Who brings glad tidings of good things. Glad Tidings of good things. You remember when the angel appeared and the angel appeared to the shepherds, he says, I bring you glad tidings. Didn't do you remember that? And here he says, Glad tidings. Who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices, with their voices they shall sing together. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into a joy singing together. You waste places of Jerusalem for the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made a bare holy arm. In the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Have you tasted it? you heard the beautiful, beautiful sound of the gospel? Have you heard it? Has it come to you and knocked on your door and said, I'm here for you? This melody is not for somebody else, it's for you. But I've got good news for you here this morning. It's here for you this morning. It's here. Brother Nathan, there's still room at the cross for one. I love it when you see it a couple of weeks ago for me. And that resonated with me. You know, we all go on and say, come Lord Jesus, come. And you know, we want to get out of this world and all of that. But there's still room for 
one more. One more. So we see here how, and we're going to read through Acts, and I'm going to do just a quick read through, read through Acts chapter 13. We see how these men, how, how, the, how their feet were, were directed by the Holy Spirit to take this beautiful sound of the gospel into all the world. To reach even to this room today. How wonderful is that? In Romans chapter 1 verse 16, Paul writes, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are you ashamed of the gospel this morning? Are you my friend? Do you know the gospel? Do you know the gospel? Are you afraid to open up your mouth and let the Lord use your vocal cords and use your breath and your lungs, which He's given you. He's given it to you. Are you afraid to let those things come together and form the words over your lips and in your tongue to say, Jesus saves, He's your Savior. Are you afraid of that? Well, Paul wasn't. He says, I am not afraid of the gospel of Christ. And listen now, in the environment that he says these words, he says, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. He didn't say for everyone who works hard. He says for the one who believes. But I want you to understand the environment. Paul is is writing a letter to the Romans. It is under the Roman rule. It's under the Roman power. It is under all of the social pressures that's upon these people. To them, he says, there's a different power that you need to know about. And that is the power of the gospel. Listen, I want to say to, to Melbourne, there is a different power that operates in Melbourne than the power of government. There is the power of God. And he says of all of those things, I am not ashamed of that. How beautiful is the sound of those who proclaim the gospel. He says for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, God does not ask men to behave in any order to be saved. He does not ask that. Just ask man to believe. It is faith in Jesus Christ that saves the sinner. Think about that. It is faith in Jesus Christ that saves the sinner. If you are under the Old Testament, you've read it this morning, my brother. You'll have to greet the priest. He'll have to show us the Old tell you one thing this morning, how polite I want to be, nobody in this room, including myself, will not be able to live according to the set, uh, set of rules to please God. It's impossible. It's impossible. Paul couldn't do it. Peter couldn't do it. You want to compare yourself to Peter and Paul? Isaiah couldn't do it. You want to compare yourself to Isaiah? Jeremiah was weeping. He was crying. Because he looked upon a people who couldn't do it. We can't. That's why the only, only one, the only perfect one came to die for us. His name is Jesus Christ. And faith in Him, faith in Him. I'm going to show that to you in a minute. Because we need to understand what is preached to us here from Paul. He says, the just shall live by faith. What is that? What is that little thing there? 
Anybody? But what is this little thing here? Full stop. What does the full stop mean? Done. It's not a comma. It doesn't say the just are lived by faith and works. Have you seen? And this, or and that, or and following this group. It's nothing. It says the just are lived by faith. Now the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us for righteousness, but we'll come to that. So here we continue on now. Let's follow now this gospel that is not ashamed and see how it started. I'm going to read quickly through this. If you want to read the whole chapter, I highly recommend it for you because I want to come to an important passage here. Acts chapter 13 verse 1. He says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets, teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. There were five men there. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Now look now. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, the encourager, and Saul, who will be Paul, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on him, they sent them away. One thing that I do want to say here is, you know, we get so many people who want to jump up and start things. If the Holy Spirit hasn't sent you, nothing will happen. You have to be sent by the Holy Spirit. You have to be called by the Holy Spirit for ministry. Now I'm going to fast forward. I press the button to verse 23. From this man's seed, he was talking about Jesus. He says, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. And after John had first preached, before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Look at verse 26. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. I want you to notice here, because I'm going to show you how the gospel goes through. He says here, the baptism of repentance. Who was this John? It was John the Baptist. Now there's still a lot of people who believe that that baptism is the same. That when you get water baptized, we've had a baptism, that it is there where your sins are you forgiven. John the Baptist came out and he preached that. He said you need to be baptized for the remission of sin. He says here, he says that's what happened. Paul, he says the repentance to all the people of Israel. He says, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. And now we come to the key verse. Verse 38, he says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sin. Who's the man? Through Jesus is preached to you the forgiveness of sin. And by him, by Jesus, everyone who... Everybody say that word. Everybody who believes is justified from all things. From which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. The Paul comes in there. The Jews are there. They hold on to the law. We're not abolishing the law, by the way. He came to fulfill the law. And he preached to them a message like this. He says to them, 
by Jesus, everyone who believes is justified. That word there is a, is, is a legal term. It's a legal term. If you go into a courtroom, the judge sits there and he judges. If the judge says you're guilty, then you know there comes a penalty. If the judge says you are free, then you know you can go. And here, Paul says to them, the judge is Jesus Christ, because if you believe in Jesus, you are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So Paul, a Jew at heart, is putting salvation through Jesus Christ against the law. He puts them against each other. I find it fascinating. Because we read it now in verse 44. On the next day, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. See, the Holy Spirit sent them. They've got the gospel, the good news. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradiction and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Why would the Jews do that? Because they loved their rituals. They loved the law. Who's this Paul coming up here and saying, you've just got to have faith in Jesus Christ? It's absurd. You can't do that. Look at all the good work we've been doing. Look, I am doing it so good. I'm, I'm fulfilling all this. I'm not a murderer. I don't steal. I don't do this. I don't do that. I'm better than this guy. I mean, we find them. Back in, in, in the Gospels, Jesus was talking about one man standing there, and he says, Oh Lord, I'm so glad that I'm not like this man next to me. Look how wonderful I am. And what did the poor man do? He beat against his chest. Why? He says, Lord, forgive a sinner like me. You see, pride comes in when you combine things to be saved. Pride sets in. Here, these men got so angry, and it's to this day. People will get angry if you tell them the faith of Jesus Christ. Here they, they were blaspheming, they opposed the things that Paul spoke, but he was preaching the gospel. He was preaching the gospel. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold. I love this. He says, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, to you Jews. But since you reject it, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Look at this. Do you understand what he's saying? He says, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Life came through Jesus Christ. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. That is key to me. That is key. I want now to open up in Romans chapter 9. That's where I'm going to leave Acts for now. You can go and read the whole chapter. But I thought it was important to see how it transitioned into the message that Paul was giving. Romans chapter 9 verse 11. Remember what Paul said here? He said, you judge yourself unworthy everlasting life. We turn now to the Gentiles. And in fact, in the last verse of that chapter, it says that they've done That's what they mean. That means they left the peace there and they moved on. They didn't go back to the, to the Jews. Now, this is important. Romans chapter 9 verse 11. He says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? He's talking about these people. These people. He's talking about them. He says, have they stumbled? Have the Jews stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, 
to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now if their fall is richer for the world and their failure reaches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Now, verse 13, For I speak to you Gentiles, to us, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, if by any means I may provide into jealousy to those who are my flesh and save some of them. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, he's saying, I am the apostle of the Gentiles. And this is important for us to know because Paul preaches the gospel to the church. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You ask, what is the gospel of Christ? We find it here. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And he writes to us the gospel. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare, I'm right with this one. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you which you also received, in which you also stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. I want you to see here, he says, I preach to you the gospel which you receive. You need to receive the gospel, brothers and sisters. It's not just something you come to church and you join. And once you received it, you need to stand in the gospel. There comes sanctification. The word will clean you up. He says, and you are saved by it. That is the word I preach, unless you believe in vain. Now, I've looked at this word in vain. It comes from the Greek word aiki. Aiki means without purpose, or without reason, or without cause. And there's a lot of people in the church who believe in vain. They're just doing it because their friends are doing it. They just come to church because mom and dad comes to church. Or brother and sister comes to church. They're just doing it because their friends come to church. This is why they hold on to that. They sit in the church. They're doing it to fit in. He says, I preach to you the gospel. You need to receive the gospel. You need to stand in the gospel. You are saved by the gospel. But you need to understand, at least you believe in vain. Look at verse 3. He says, for I delivered to you, first of all, this is the gospel, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And he was buried, and he rose again, the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and by the twelve. Later on, Paul writes to Rome, in Romans chapter 10 verse 9, he says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that the God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want you to put these two next to each other. Because there's key words that's coming out for us. He says here, this is the gospel. Christ died. He was buried. He rose again. In Romans he says, if you confess with your mouth, if you say it, that the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead, you will be saved. You see, this is a step of faith. He says you believe. There's a lot of people who still don't believe in Jesus Christ. They say His words. Even, you know, the Jehovah Witnesses. Yes, He's an angel. The Muslims say He's a prophet. That's not believing. That's not confessing. 
You have to confess that God came and lived amongst us. He was killed for your sins and He was risen from the grave. You see, the two things that comes out of these verses is the who and the what. Who is Jesus and what did He do? If we can agree on these two things, we can have fellowship. And we find these words here. Who is Jesus? We find that He's the Christ. We find names like Lord Jesus. But do you understand what those names mean? We'll start with Christ. It's, it's the official title. It's the Messiah. It means the Anointed One. So if you confess with your mouth that He, the Anointed One, the Messiah came and He was killed. Can you imagine? Then we go to Jesus. Jesus means Savior. It's his new in the New Testament, it is the word for Joshua. And Joshua means Jehovah is salvation and Lord is his title. It's the deity. He is God. That's what those three words mean. So when it says here that Christ died for our sins, it means the Messiah died for our sins. Is that your understanding? If you say that God raised Him, He says with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, if you confess His deity that He is God and that He is the Savior, you will be saved. And then what did He do? Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins. That's the message. Now, again I say, we're looking at a transitional book. In the first part of the book of Acts, it was all about water baptism. We're going to get to that part in a minute. But once we come to this part here, we see that Paul, our apostle, preaches to us the blood of Christ. He says it here in Corinthians 1.11. Uh, this was Jesus. But Paul writes this down. He says, In a manner he also took the cup after saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Paul writes to the church in Ephesians, he says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. It is now about the blood. You and I, when we preach the gospel, it's about the blood of Christ. It's about what the blood has done. It's about faith in the blood of Christ. Because the blood of Christ washed away our sin. Ephesians 2.13 But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off, has been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know that man John Wesley, that preacher? He was uh, preaching one night and as he came out of a sermon and he preached, there was a robber there and a robber came and he robbed him. Well, he had only a few pennies in his pocket and a lot of scripture tracts you know, gospel tracts in his pocket. And the robber grabbed the stuff and he started running away. And as he was running away, Wesley shouted out to him. He says, hey, I've got one thing more for you. And the guy was startled. He goes, what? I've got all the guys gone. All these possessions, a few things and a few gospel tracts. And when the guy stopped and looked back at him, Wesley shouted to him. He said, when you come to this point in your life, you need to realize that the blood of Jesus Christ will save you from your sin. And the man looked at him and he ran away. Well, many years went past and John Wesley was preaching again one night. And after the service, there's a man who came up to him who clothed really well. And he said to him, you John Wesley? He said, I want to tell you something. He said, one night you were preaching. And as you walked out, I thought, this little preacher man, I'm going to take all of his offering off him. He said, and I came up to you and I robbed you. I took all of the stuff and you didn't have a lot. You've had a few pennies and tracts. He said, but as I was running away, you shouted something to me. Could you remember? 
And what does he say to him? No, tell me. He says, because of you, I am saved. He says, because you said to me, the blood of Jesus Christ will save me. And here I am, I'm saved. And Wesley corrected him. He says, no, 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 no. It's not because of me. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ that will wash us away every sin. Brothers and sisters, we are standing and sitting here because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the blood is referenced over 43 times in the New Testament. 43 times. And all of them refer to this great importance of salvation and a daily life in the believer. Daily life, the blood of Christ. Judas called it the innocent blood in Matthew 27. Uh, Matthew. Uh, Peter called it the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without a blemish and without spot. John says it is the cleansing blood in 1 John 1. And, and in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 he says we were washed from our sins in his blood. In his blood. I started with the blood because I believe, brothers and sisters, Paul, our apostle, who talks to us and he says, I want to hear nothing else but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And he brings us to the blood. The gospel that, that Paul preaches focuses on the blood of Christ. Faith in the blood. But it wasn't like that. I know it's small, but let's look at Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Peter is preaching to the Jews, yes? Acts chapter 2 38. A lot of churches built their churches on that. They say we need to be baptized. They say if you want to be born again, you need to be baptized and your sins are you forgiven at baptism. This is what was preached and they will say this is what Peter said. He said repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is the emphasis here? Water baptism. Water baptism. But brothers and sisters, I want to say to you this morning, that John the Baptist baptism is not the same as the baptism we do these days. It's changed. It's not the same. It was there. Why do I emphasize this? Because it was Jews. And the Jews had a custom. They had a ritual of baptism. If you want to become a Jew, you had to be baptized and become a Jew. They had their cleansing pots. There was a water basin in the temple. You had to be cleansed physically. So he preaches this to them. But now we follow the gospel through. We come to Acts chapter 3 verse 16. Again it's Peter. He's now in Solomon's porch. There's a man who was healed and people rushed to him. And I want you to see now all of a sudden the transition takes place. And his name, through faith in his name, he says in Acts 3.16, And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see, yes, the faith. The faith which comes through him has given him his perfect soundness and presence of you all. Now he says, repent, therefore be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come to the presence of the Lord. It's interesting that he didn't use the word baptism there. So now we see there's a transition into the faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Here... Repent, be baptized. Now I know Jesus said, teach, uh, uh, make disciples, baptize them and teach them. But that baptism here is not the same as this baptism referring to John the Baptist. Here it is in the name, faith in the name. Then we find in Acts chapter 4 verse 10, they catch Peter 
And then Peter preaches these words in verse 10. I'm just parachuting in. You can read it in context. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, there's the gospel, by him this man stands before you. Oh, the stone you rejected. Look at verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men in which we must be saved. Here is an emphasis on the name of Jesus Christ. You see, it's about who Jesus is. The Jews rejected him, and he brings them back to faith in the name of Jesus. He says you will be saved in the name of Jesus. Fast forward, Acts 5.30. Again, here we find now, he says, The God and Father has raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging him on a tree. Him God exalted to the right hand, the Prince and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. You see this here? He says, Jesus gives forgiveness and repentance. It's not work we do. It's not, you know, here was a lot of doing. You have to be water baptized for the remission of your sins. Here is not focus on what you do, it's on what He did. It's on what Jesus did, not what you do. There's a transition. It's the same gospel. I'm not preaching to you a different gospel. But now people are still holding to this. They come to you and they say, have you been baptized? In the baptism of John or or, or remittance of sin? No, no, I don't know. No, no, it is faith in the name. It goes down. It transitions over. I'm nearly finished. Look at Acts 7 verse 51. Stephen is here now. And here is a critical thing that happens here. Stephen preached to the Jews. He says, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart. You resist the Holy Spirit. You resist Him. Your fathers did so and now you do. Which of the prophets that your fathers not persecute... And they killed these who foretold the coming of the just one. You see, he gave them Jesus. They wanted their rituals. And you have become the betrayers and murderers. And this is the third strike. You remember when they rejected John the Baptist, they rejected the Father. They rejected Jesus Christ, they rejected the Son. Now they reject the Holy Spirit. And from this point, God turns to the Gentiles in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts. We find Philip, and, and, and we see Philip now preaches to a proselyte, and something interesting happened here. We saw in the beginning it was water baptism, faith in the name. Look now. Philip runs next to the Enoch. The Enoch was reading the scripture where it said, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth, and in his humiliation he was taken away. And he says, whom was this man? And Philip gets up there and he started preaching Jesus to him. And we see here for the first time when the gospel is preached, it focuses on the blood atonement. And then the baptism. After he got saved by accepting the blood of Christ, he says, there's water, what hinders me? So it is not the water that washes away your sin, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. And now finally we come this morning to Peter, to the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 13, we saw that I've read it to you. He says in verse 42, He commanded us to preach to people and to testify that it is He who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To Him all the prophecies witness. Through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive 
the remission of sin. Wait a minute. This is Paul, uh, Peter, uh, Peter, sorry, preached to Cornelius here. Peter changed. He, he didn't say the baptism here. He says, through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sin. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, there's two kinds of righteousnesses in the Bible. God's righteousness and yours. Yours and God's. When we get saved, He turns us into righteousness. My brother said that scripture in 1 John. Chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. He says, if we confess our sin... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Do you believe that? Do you believe He forgives you your sin? Who's faithful? He's faithful. And that's not where the verse stops. Because He uses a beautiful word there. He says He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from your unrighteousness. The forgiving of sin is instantaneous. God forgive you your sins. But He works on your unrighteousness. I've met people over the years. You know, I was there when they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. I could see the change in their life. But there was still something in their lives. A habit that they were. It's not to say that God says, no, 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 no I'm going to turn my back on you. No, no, He keeps on working with you in that unrighteousness that you do. We've got to be careful about that. I know there's people, we've had in New Zealand, you know, people come in and they're so fearful. They come up and they say, oh, I'm so afraid for next week and next month. I go, why? They go, I may sin and then end up in hell. And I go, how much do you trust God? How much do you trust God in His perfect work that He's done for you? And I take them to that verse. And I say, He will cleanse you. That word cleanse there is the same word which is applied in the book of Ephesians, which means you are washed by the word of God. How does it cleanse you? Through the word of God, you read about this righteous life and you change. You change. Some people change like that. And this take a little bit of time. But God is patient. Now, before you go, before these people saying, oh, but preacher, you are preaching a sinless perfection. I'm not. I'm not preaching sinless perfection. Because Paul says, a wretched man that I am. The same Paul. In the present tense, who will save me from this body of sin? Amen?